Hello, welcome back to the Athletic Cast. It is the 31st episode, and the date is May 5th, and I am your co-host, Garrett. And I'm your co-host, Brady. And uh, it is Last Dance Day. We're going to be talking about that Woo-hoo. maybe a day later, but, you know, takes a lot of time to get this pro setup and review of it out. And, uh, Very yeah, nice. some NFL news. I have some NHL news, college football news. And uh, that's about it. But uh, I have very long reviews. So we'll uh, like to see that. All right. Jump into NFL news per usual. And first story is that Don Shula, the winningest coach in pro football history, has died at age 90, a representative of the Miami Dolphins said. Shula coached for 33 years and had 31 winning seasons, which means uh, it's truly a football legend that was lost. And uh, rest in peace to him and condolences to the Shula family. And uh, next story is, I think it's like two days until the fifth year option uh, deadline passes. So uh, the Indianapolis the fifth year option for safety Malik Hooker. He had a pretty good season this year. So uh, it's probably going to be have to be a do or die contract year for him. So he might ball out this year. Uh the Dallas Cowboys have waived backup quarterback Cooper Rush and officially signed quarterback Andy Dalton to his one-year $3 million with incentives for up to $7 million. So uh, there's going to be a quarterback controversy maybe there. And uh, the Patriots college scouting director, director sorry, Monty Ossenfort, is headed to the Tennessee Titans as director of player personnel. The NFL schedule is poised to be released by the end of this week, and there will reportedly be no international games in London or Mexico City. And the final story is that Chiefs running back Damian Williams had his rental house robbed of about $1,000. He wasn't home at the time of the robbery, so no one was really hurt. And that'll do it for NFL stories today. Perfect. I have a little bit of NBA news besides the last dance stuff, but we'll do that at the end with Garrett's gigantic reviews. Yes. Yes. So the GMs, like we already said, are uh, wary for older coaches, but they've looked in further to uh, another thing, which is uh, with an ESPN study of fans favoring uh, the season to come back, uh, without fans. So they said they're saying that those coaches won't be is in as much danger if there's no fans, obviously. I think mm-hmm. just the coaches in very empty stadiums. But if they somehow for some reason in some way they have fans, those coaches may not be able to be there. So all stuff that will still be thrown around and is up in the air, but I thought you let thought to let you know about that. And my last part of news is that uh, Balmer has completed a $40 million, $400 million deal there you go. For, the for, for the forum. So there you go. That is yeah. NBA news. Uh, the forum is the former place where the Showtime Lakers played with Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and all them. So it's very historic and kind of ironic how the owner of the LA Clippers is buying it out. And uh, the story before that, uh, I saw this one story on ESPN 
that they conducted a survey and it said that most fans would rather see sports carried uh, without fans than waiting uh, to be able to watch it in person, which is kind of a duh moment. Like we haven't had sports in like two months. We're itching at the bit for any amount of sports that we could have. I would love to watch even college baseball at this point, which for me is like very hard to do. Not a fan of baseball that much. But uh, yeah, if we're pivoting onwards, that means I'm going to give my one NHL story. And that is a minor story that says uh, the San Jose Sharks have signed free agent Russian goaltender Alexei Melnikuk to a two-year entry-level contract. I hope he's very good for the San Jose fans out there, if any, that are watching this. Uh, and, yeah, they'll do it for NHL stores. Yeah, for PGA today, I have one big part of news, and that is Dustin Johnson and Roy McIlroy are putting on a COVID-19 relief charity event on May 17th that will be broadcasted on NBC. So look into that for all you golf fans that are finally excited to see some golf and for other people are like, oh, man, watching paint dry. So exciting. Hmm. All right. Uh, I have one piece of college football news, and that is the last bit of news I have that's not last dance related. And uh, that is that star high school prospect in the 2021 class, Garrett Nussmeyer, has committed to the LSU Tigers. His other offers included Texas, Texas A&M, Baylor, among other D1 schools. So that'll do it. He could be the replacement to Joe Burrow. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, that'll do it for my daily news today. Nice. Um, you know, we're going to move right into Last Dance stuff today. And... Very, very exciting stuff from that. So I'm going to have you start off with your summary that you wrote for episode five first. And then we'll go off that and we'll give our ideas and what we thought. All right. So uh, for this recap, it's going to be a little bit different than last week's because we were having Internet trouble. So I uh, had to attempt to break the world speed record for how fast I could read it. But uh, now I'm going to be able to take my time on it. So uh for episode five, this episode starts with a 1998 All-Star game where Michael first played Kobe Bryant one-on-one. Kobe says that everything he's learned, the turnaround shot, and the five championships were because of Michael and what he taught him. Then it pivots to MSG, Madison Square Garden, where Jordan puts on the old Jordan ones for his last time playing in the arena, which he said was his favorite place to play in because it was the mecca of basketball. And... We then flash back to 1984 when Michael Jordan signed a shoe deal with Nike and with his agent, David Falk. Jordan didn't want to sign with Nike. He wanted to sign with Adidas. The thing is, Adidas couldn't put out his own shoe at the time because they were a much smaller company. Nike gave a great pitch to Michael and his parents, but the thing was they offered him a $250,000 contract when the normal one for rookies at that time was 100000 Nike hoped in the first four years of that contract that they would sell $3 million worth of shoes, but in the first year, they sold $126 million, so it obviously blew off the shelves. Back to the present in 1998, where Jordan's feet are bleeding by halftime, but he keeps the shoes on because he's having a good game. Just a different mentality with Mike there, and uh, 
another flashback to 1992, where the Bulls wanted to go back-to-back. They meet the Trailblazers, led by Clyde the Glide Drexler in the finals, who Michael Jordan was offended to be compared to. The Bulls win the series 4-2, to two and, and Michael Jordan completely embarrassed Clyde. Two weeks from then, Michael accepts the offer to play on the 1992 Dream Team. This brings up the Isaiah Thomas-Michael Jordan feud again, as rumors circulate that Michael didn't want Thomas on the team because of their quote-unquote icy relationship. ESPN analyst Michael Wilbon is quick to point out that Larry Bird had a problem with Isaiah Thomas, Scottie Pippen had problems with Isaiah Thomas, and Michael Jordan and Magic Johnson, both MJs, had problems with Isaiah Thomas, which was nearly half the team that didn't want to play for this guy. That kind of makes sense because he was on the bad boy Pistons, very grit and grind, get in your face, talk trash. So uh, I can see how they maybe didn't want to spend an entire summer with this guy. And the team, even without IT, is probably the best team ever assembled. They're the clear favorite with the only semblance of competition being Croatia in the Olympics with fellow Chicago Bull Tony Kukic. I think that's how you say that name. The Dream Team obviously won, and Jordan was at the forefront of that. And back to 1998, where Michael continues his farewell season through the country, ending at Atlanta and his quest for a sixth championship. And that is where episode five leaves us off at. You know, that's really cool to see that a man could start his own shoe and grow that much. So yeah. looking looking into that, and I mean, the coolest part was that Madison Square Garden kind of looked back. And with him signing that contract, which is so big, because mm-hmm. even these days, rookies, well, with inflation – most of the time, don't get that much money over like a million dollars, I would say. Like Zion Williamson would be like a con- uh, consideration to that. But most are like John Morant these days. But other than that, not a lot of rookies get anything or that kind of opportunity. So that was huge for their time. But then looking forward at Madison Square Garden, there was a point that he said, or like that you said as well, that his point or his feet were soaked in blood. Mm-hmm. Man, those were some really good shoes if they were soaked in blood. But just the grit and determination that man had to play an entire game with those shoes on just because it meant so much for him. Yeah. And him even bleeding. I can't even imagine how much blood was on his foot after that yeah, game. That is uh, squishing in blood. blood. Yeah. Exactly. So a man who's that determined for his game, that determined to go out that way. Very, very impressive. And then um, going also going on forward, you went to the Olympic topic again. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of almost a disgrace that they are going to say that about Isaiah Thomas. I mean, just because you're weak that week, because you get hit by a few guys, I mean, yeah, you might get pushed over or whatever. Push them back. That was the time in the NBA where the refs could say whatever they want. And they'll tell you whatever they think you're being and stuff that I cannot say. But you know what I'm trying to refer to. Yeah. But back in those days, you got away with a lot more. So I don't know why a lot or any more teams couldn't have, couldn't have just embraced that and just kind of go back at the Pistons. But that's what the Bulls did in the previous episode. They bulked up and then they fought the Pistons and that's how they won. Mm-hmm. But 
other than that, it's just kind of annoying that you take a guy's Olympic chances away just because your mental views, which is a guy try to uh, tries to work and play for his country, and you just take it away just because you don't like him. There's no reason that should have happened. And then um, other than that, just, I mean... You can go to episode six. It's just really hard to even comprehend that those guys would do that, especially Magic Johnson coming from somewhere in Michigan. Uh, But my last point for episode five will be, like you said, the numbers with them trying to sell over $3 million worth of shoes, and they sold, I think it was $126 million, you said. Mm -hmm. And uh, as being like me, like watching that, why did it almost make me want to go buy Jordans? Isn't that horrible? <laughs> why would I want to buy Jordans? There's uh, no reason to, but they got that impulse where you really wanted to. And I could see how back in the day it was super easy to have that impulse to go and buy those Jordans or just to go buy something that Michael Jordan it has been amazing in and showed that, hey, I play good in these shoes. You can play good in these shoes. Why not buy them? Yeah. So the Be advertisement like, and the way they sold them was huge. Mm-hmm. And then same with like McDonald's and all the other. Stop it. Get some help. Yeah. You know, lovely mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. But other than that, that's very, very impressive. He asked me that he pretty much changed the entire NBA shoe game from Converse uh, all the way to Nike. And Nike still pretty much reigns now. They reign supreme. Because they got their MJ and uh, I think Kyrie's and uh, Kobe's. They all have that. Yeah, Kobe's, LeBron's. Blow up into the Jordan brand uh, that's made like well over a billion dollars. But um, dang it, it's pretty well close if you're LeBron. He's sold a lot of shoes. I think he's on like the 18s. So uh, yeah, if you want to pivot right now to episode six, does that sound good? Sounds great. All right, this episode constantly switches back and forth between 1998, which was his quest for a sixth championship, and 1993, and it opens up with the pressure that Michael Jordan faces constantly from the time he leaves his hotel room to the media post-game, the fan interactions, and all that. It also touches on his gambling, where his competitive edge carried over. It focused on the Sam Smith's book, not the singer, uh, the Jordan rules that showed that Jordan wasn't perfect and was a quote-unquote tyrant to his teammates, kind of saying that if this dude's doing bad or can't shoot threes, don't pass to him. And if you do pass to him, I won't pass to you ever again, uh, which is not very good. But, hey, he's competitive, so what are you going to do? Extremely. Yeah, and uh, you wouldn't notice any turmoil on the court as the Bulls kept dominating and trying to three-peat which at this point only two other franchises had done. And uh, the new foe on the block were the Patrick Ewing-led Knicks, not the Detroit Bad Boy Pistons anymore. And uh, they faced each other in the 1993 Eastern Conference Finals. And after going down 2-0, Jordan went gambling all afternoon in Atlantic City, and the news went ballistic. Uh, They kind of rolled with it because after previous gambling encounters with uh, Slim Bowlers, who I think was a golfer, and uh, he owed him $57,000, Michael did, uh, in gambling debts. 
And these new questions were the straw that broke the camel's back. The questions asked by the media, obviously. And uh, he shut down the media and refused to answer any questions. MJ had a tremendous comeback game to kind of show that, hey, I'm not addicted to gambling. I'm still the best player that's playing in the league right now. And uh, he won games three, four, five, and six, winning the series four to two. They now moved on to face the Phoenix Suns and this year's MVP, Charles Barkley. The Bulls won games one, two, and four. The Suns games three and five to make the series three, two, Chicago, and bring the game back to Phoenix for game six. Michael says to the team before the plane leaves, quote, I'm only packing one suit. I'm not going here to play two games, end quote. And sure enough, in true Michael fashion, the Bulls win game six and the fabled three-peat. And that is where episode six leaves off. You know, the biggest point for me there is Michael overcoming, again, his weaknesses. But, I mean, if you really think about it, Michael had a gambling problem. And he got over that and won. Yeah. And then he had a problem with his teammates. And he got over that and won. Mm-hmm. But it, he, it was also his decisions that were affecting how, uh, how everything was going. So if he wouldn't have gambled and wouldn't have gotten a gambling debt, he would have been fine. Yeah. And if he wouldn't have been mean to his teammates, say, I'm not going to pass you because I don't want to. Mm-hmm. What do you, I mean, come on. The guy just did that. So going off of that, he could have solved a lot of problems with not even creating them. But also, he is human, so he's going to do whatever he wants to do because he is Michael Jordan. And he has one of the highest uh, competitive drives that the league has ever seen. So it's kind of like, yeah, you take the kind of extreme coaching that MJ did, but it's at the price of greatness that he will lead the team and possibly lead you to a championship. So it's kind of like... I don't know the phrase, but it's like uh, kind of batten down the hatches and kind of take the worse with the good that you get from it. So uh, Yeah, take the good from the yeah. bad. And then uh, about the gambling thing, like he said, uh, it was more of a competition uh, addiction where he was that competitive that every time he lost, he would play for another hour until he got the high advantage, which really – it's good for like a player standpoint, but with that amount of money that you would be losing if you're losing hour after hour after hour, losing all that money, uh, it's kind of like you, you're at the end of that bad streak and you're like, oh no, what have I done? I've lost all this money. So uh, yeah, it's kind of a sticky situation there. Right. But I mean, looking at what other athletes may have done made mistakes as well, but they get that they, uh, the news not going to be mean to any of the news sites or whatever, but they pick out those bad things on purpose because people are interested or not necessarily interested, but uh, they turn their head for the headlining news that Michael Jordan is gambling is in and is in gambling debt and is probably going to lose his game tonight and might get in trouble with the NBA. So people listen to those things. But they don't listen to Michael Jordan just gave $3 million to the McDonald's organization for uh, for kids that are in need. Yeah. They highlight those things, but they don't make them as loud as the bad things. So when those things get pointed out more, it just 
sticks out like a sore thumb and everybody wants to see it. And they're like, oh, Michael Jordan, this, Michael Jordan, that. But with everyone else, I, I like I said, everyone makes mistakes. So now I'm saying that he might have actually been okay with what he did. That's kind of the thing so, with the media nowadays. And that's kind of how they handle uh, – extreme kind of greatness and dominance that the Bulls were because you look at like the Golden State Warriors in their kind of like success for a three-peat or stuff like that they were very very good but since they were so good and they've been winning for so long like all the NBA fans were like Golden State sucks they're a bad team we want them to lose it's stuff like that all that time exactly. Colin, Kevin Durant, Snake, and etc. All that time with greatness. It's really Michael Jordan in the media eye was like the golden boy. He was like perfect. He didn't have anything bad about him. The first kind of thing that was really the negative thing was when uh, Sam Smith released that book that he was a very competitive person to the point where it was like bullying his teammates. Which uh, I mean, uh, well, I was about to say something, but uh. I'll refrain from that because that sounds kind of – because I was about to say uh, he's getting paid millions of dollars. You have to deal with that. But the amount of players and people on earth that can do what Michael Jordan can do, which uh, is zero, uh, you can afford to kind of be that intense. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, So, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I completely agree with you on that. And um, just moving forward, Michael Jordan learned from his mistakes. And uh, he did a lot of very good things. So he helped out. Uh, I'm just saying looking forward, but uh, in the time where we're at now, but he's done a lot of stuff for North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, with uh, the Tar Heels and, program. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, their basketball team, the ceiling is mm-hmm. the roof. He also owns Here, the ceiling is the roof. in uh, North Carolina. So that's something. Yeah, so, you know, very, very important stuff and very two very good episodes mm-hmm. that went on. And, uh, Garrett, I, get, I think that's going to wrap it up for today. All right, uh, hopefully you liked my immaculate and amazing reviews today. And uh, it's the 5th of May. Enjoy your 5th of May. And uh, thank you for watching the 31st episode of The Athletic Cast. We're going to be putting out another one on Thursday. Thursday, 8 p.m. is when the NFL schedule is going to be released. So if we record a little bit later than that, if you don't see it Thursday, you're going to see it Saturday. Uh, So let's see who the Steelers are going to absolutely beat down besides the Ravens and the Browns. Uh, And, yeah, have a good rest of your day. Co-host Garrett signing out. Peace. Yep, that's uh, gone for me. See you guys.